Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. Yeah, that's that's the intro. So welcome to Let's Do Humans podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Listen to you. It doesn't it doesn't actually surprise me because the thing is. I just noticed that we have something in common. Yeah. You know, this idea of, you know, um, motivating and inspiring the youth, that's something I've always yeah. been into. And actually, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, starting uh, a kind of a youth organization in yeah. this perspective. I've been thinking of this, you know, for the past few years now. And about just a few weeks ago, maybe one or two weeks ago, I messaged a friend of mine concerning this issue, uh, you yeah. know, um, I just told myself I have to start working on it, you know. Mm. It won't be something I'm thinking about anyway. I should be Most something definitely. into action. Yes, yeah. I like the idea of, you know, being there for the youth because today, you know, we, we, we are lost. The youth yeah. Today. Yeah. We yeah. just, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and we talked uh, to the idea of, uh, of being uh, in the external aspect of life, as in we see things from the outside mm-hmm. instead of seeing things from the inside. And yeah. since, you know, our eyes and our, our, our awareness is fixed on the outside and we've been blocked through all these materials and everything, so it becomes difficult for us for us to, you know, to come back deep into ourselves and being mm-hmm. aware of ourselves and obviously to be aware of, Everything that is going on around us, around us, yeah. you have to be aware of yourself. So this idea is something that is missing in our society. Most definitely, and I think one of the things that I tend to find um, with a lot of young people nowadays is making sense of it all. Because in in terms of like when you come into this world, there's no guidance for your parents. There's no guidance for the environment that you're going to be put in. So whatever circumstances you're put in, you're then having to now make the best out of it, make sense of it, either on your own or with someone who doesn't even understand it themselves as well. So it's like two confused people trying to lead each other. So what I tend to find is that a lot of young people in particular, they're not... They're not being guided as to how to make sense of it, how to find purpose. And in particular, men, I tend to find that with men, that they lose that sense of purpose. And when you lose that sense of purpose, someone else is going to then project their idea of what the world should be onto you. And that can lead you into any direction, whether it be right or wrong. And the worst thing is that these youth are the ones that are going to grow up tomorrow and are going to feed the children as well. well. So it becomes a circle. I think the thing is, it is not something that started from our generation. Something that started from maybe the gener- you know, generations before. So it's mm. it's just become something like like a circle. And as years and centuries pass by, it becomes worsened. Yeah, definitely. And that's why. Um, 
I, I was I was actually speaking to a, a couple of friends in in relations to like the the African community and um, um and us men finding our purpose and what we're discussing is that initially when we came here as a as a first generation so our parents migrated here either with us or had us in in Europe or wherever it may be the, their purpose and their mission was completely different to what would have maybe have been more holistic for us as children and raising children because they were focused on working and survival. And and that was kind of the mantra that they led their lives by. They're waking up early in the morning, going to three, four, five jobs in a day before they come home. So there's no communication. There's no time to actively raise the children. So by the time your children raise the age, reach a certain age where it's completely difficult to then penetrate and, 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 and have an influence in their life, they've already been raised by either the system or by people around them. And that's where the influence comes from. That's, that's why there are so many, you know, I think through my observation, uh, when you go to the street, you see, especially here, in, I'm, I'll be, now I'm talking here uh, concerning France, yeah. see more of the black, uh, you know, black community and the Arab, Arabic community in the street, mm. more than you see the white communities. Yeah. I think it comes back to what you just mentioned, because, you know, the, the parents are out to work and, you know, find something for the family and then the children the only way to survive in a, you know in a virtual coma is to be social with other people so that's how they go into streets and you know come into so many things that maybe are good for them and the other side as well yeah that's definitely true i can see you're wearing them the t-shirt from the cover of your book um, um where's it what's the book called again is it in Intrinsic awareness. Intrinsic awareness, yeah. What's the story behind that book? And what's a bit about your background, like in terms of what you do? Because I can see loads of books there, so you're a very learned man. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm learning. Let's put yeah. it up. I'm learning. Yeah. So the thing is, I've been, you know, when it's come to knowledge, it's been my, should I say, mantra mm. for, for since I can remember. So I value learning so much and you know seeking and it can be in any any uh you know any field mm -hmm. it can be in science in philosophy psychology i just you know like learning but when it comes to you know thinking and what brings about my book is that um for the past few years maybe 10 years now i've been you know compiling and writing poems and epigrams and short stories. So the thing is, and I also discuss with people about different topics like how we're doing now, just not in podcast. So the thing is, in 2017, I think, I had a discussion with uh, three individuals on Instagram. They were just youths about maybe 15, 16 mm -hmm. or something, um, uh, girls. One of them was from Canada. The other one is um, Indian. And the other two, they were Indians, I think. So the thing is, the story is that they were going through some difficulties in their life. And so one of them actually attempted suicide at least once or twice. And this, the, the, the other two, uh, with, we were thinking of committing suicide. So the thing is, I discussed with them and, you know, everything went well. And also, around that time, I've been, you know, receiving um, feedbacks about my my quotes and my tests on Instagram, so, you know, the healing, let me put it that way. So that was when I thought to myself, was just in the beginning of 2018, about 
maybe around July or so, I just thought to myself, maybe if I should compile my works and put it out there, maybe it can be of you know help for yeah. some. So that was how I you know just started you know compiling my my works and started making some sketches, which I also put in the books. And I also it also contains photographs because as I said earlier on, I'm interested in almost everything. Yeah, welcome <laughs> so, to the club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> almost everything. So I also make sketch and draw, I paint. So Amazing. some of those things are also in the book. Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty much quite similar to me because um, I, I mean, growing up, I, I quite as I always, I'm always telling people, I, I quite struggled in the um, conventional educational um, system. So uh, um, I, funny enough, I only read my first book outside of secondary school. Um, in secondary school, I read one book of Mice and Men, which was compulsory to write our English exam. But after that, I read my second book near, near enough at the age of like 21, 22. And the reason being is because other, other reasons, apart from being like slightly dyslexic, is also that I couldn't find a lot of stuff that I was interested in to complete. So whenever I pick up a book, I might read one or two pages. I'll struggle to read it. I don't find it interesting in the first place. And then I'll put it aside. But That's um, <laughs> yeah and th th that's a major problem but um as i got older and i started finding things that actually intrigued me through having conversations with people outside of my my um sort of like environmental circle i realized that there's so much there's so much variety out there there's so much of interest and that's how i got involved in in th that's how i even ended up with a dynamic group of friends a very um mixed demographic I ended up reading and finding interest in so many various things. And those are the things that now I'm trying to introduce to other people who I feel might be in the same situation as me. They don't have that exposure as such, or they just don't know that there's anything else out there. So yeah, reading definitely is one of my favorite pastimes now, but I'm going to shift from reading books to audiobooks because I, I, yeah, definitely. I find out that, you know, sitting down and to, I'm, you know, let's just say it bluntly. I'm lazy. Yeah, yeah, most <laughs> of us are. <laughs> so, the thing yeah. is, you know, now I buy the book because I like having the, the physical. So, I buy the book and I also buy, you know, have a contract with uh, Audible. Oh, yeah, so every monthly subscription. Subscription. So, mm. the thing is, I, I, I buy the book and the audiobook, I listen to it at the same time I read the book. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so, at times, so when I just drop the book, maybe in the street, I'm walking. I continue, you know, you know, listening yeah. to the book. Then when I get to somewhere where I can sit down, then I pick up my book and then I continue. Yeah, definitely. That, that, I think that's the shift that I'm, I'm making now. I'm, I'm going to stick to that because it will probably make you more productive in terms of the amount of information that you you can soak up and and what you can take in. So, what, what's the main? Um, is there a main concept in your book? Like, what's the what's the continuous flow? The thing is, it is divided actually divided into I think eight parts. So. Mm. It's, as I said, it, it is compilation of you know previous works. Mm. So the thing is, it is um, you know that there are about eight parts of it. So there's a part I talked about belief, you know, mm. more belief system about uh, belief in God. So in that aspect, I open up about a challenge, a open question about uh, does God exist mm. uh, or more of is God behind the evil that is, you know, going on mm. in, the, in the society, which is actually one of the questions I asked in the video you watched. Yeah, yeah. Asked yeah. a question like that. So um, I opened then I opened up with that, and it's more of, you know, it's, it is not 
um, they are not tests to kind of tell you or to preach to you about God or something like that. It is more of poems, you know. Mm. That's 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 why I call it faith about faith, you know. You know, yeah. like talking about some, you know, uh, divine something or your belief in something, but it is not, you know, inv it is not actually kind of inviting you to, you know, to believe in. And it's, it's more of yeah. a question and put it that way. Yeah. And then you have the path where I talked about, you know, the, um, uh, the the importance of women in the society. Then I talked then the parts of which is more of romantic poems and other parts which are more of, uh, you know, of tolerance and of peace and tolerance. Then uh, other parts which is of um, of endurance and patience, which is more of to, you know, to motivate and to, you know, inspire people that may be going to going through some difficulties. And then the parts which is, which I actually like it is more of, um, should I say philosophical aspects, just a short okay. part. It's my, actually my thinking about, you know, time. They're just like one phrase or few, you know, few sentences, that something I just think about time. One of it is like, um, you know, the future is nothing else but a fragment of the past which has not yet been exploited. Yeah. Some phrases like that. And then the other, you know, then the last part is a dialogue I have, you know, I had with uh, six people, actually. And, you know, the dialogue... So six actual people, is it? Um... Six people, six okay. of my friends, actually. So I put the dialogues because I, I found them interesting. And one of the reasons why I put... I included the dialogue is that I've been reading, you know, published poetry works. Yeah. I've come across, you know, I wanted to do something special. Instead of just writing, you know, uh, giving the message out, mm. you know, the part which would be more of, you know, something like a discussion yeah. that reader would be able to relate with, you know, will be, you know, when you're discussing, you know, the, re the reader would be able to think maybe you know you know so when like self-reflecting on ideas exactly self-reflecting yeah. maybe it's right maybe it's wrong you know something like that so yeah. that's why i had i added the um the dialogue aspect of it yeah oh sounds amazing i'm definitely gonna check out after this i'm definitely gonna purchase it well, is it an audio or is it just strictly just in written form okay i'll have to buy the written form and then check it out that way then <laughs> even though i'm shifting through but i'll definitely support that Honestly, it's not a feud. It's not, you know, it's not. A, oh, okay. It's a huge. It's a huge. It's about um, three hundred pages, but yeah. you know, just poems, you know. Yeah. Did, did you study philosophy yourself? Uh, I'm studying philosophy personally. The thing is, oh, okay. Had uh, interest in philosophy. It's just a personal interest. Mm. So the thing is, I've been doing philosophy. I've been then just philosophizing. Yeah, I was actually studying philosophy. So recently, when I'm, you know, actually going to studying philosophy, going to studying philosophy myself, I have books that I'm reading. I don't, I don't actually study philosophy in, in school. I studied yeah. just a year in, you know, in the final year of of, of um, high school. So and that's it. Uh, so when I started, you know, doing research on philosophy myself, it becomes, you know, easier because this, this most of the things. I come through everything I've thought through myself. So it becomes, let's say, let's say easier. Mm. To, yeah, 
I think one of the things that um, our generation probably struggles with is um, um, critical, like being critically uh, analytical, because what tends to happen now is that I think ideas are being thrown at us at such a quick pace and it's, it's such a fragmented and various forms of ideas because of technology that we have now is that it becomes very difficult to think. It's just a case of picking one and sticking yeah. to it or being emotionally pushed and then going with the flow type of thing. And when people always ask me, how do I critically analyze stuff is what I do is whenever whenever a conversation comes up in society, for instance, I would I would grab that idea and then I'll shoot as many bullets on it as possible. I'll just think, okay, how can I break down this idea? What if what if I think about it from this side? What if I think about it from this angle and then try and answer my own questions? And through that, you end up finding that you come up you come up with so many varied varied ideas of your own, and you're not just kind of being sucked into someone's um, ideology because ideologies can be dangerous as well, and they're so varied because one person's ideology could be someone's complete hatred and misunderstanding of that person's ideology. So is is it is a tricky. Um, place to be in this era and and having to do with like philosophical ideas i think the problem is it's actually you know the first thing is um there's something in, in actually uh, it's, it's in psychology known as cognitive laziness yeah the problem is to think is a problem you know it's a problem the problem is to think is a problem mm. <laughs> it's, uh it's you know it demands you know, some uh, it's like a muscle your brain is like a muscle you know it's like mm the abstract muscle so if uh if if you've not uh you know run for some time and you start you know you start running it's going to be difficult you know it's the same thing to think it's kind of it's not difficult you know but mm. it's difficult at the same time if you if you're not practicing it mm. and at the same time it's also related to your emotion mm. two options one that is you know that is pulling your emotion and the other one that is inviting you to think. Yeah. You know, look, uh, instantly, instinctively, we tend to follow the emotion mm -hmm. because, you know, we're emotional being, you know, and that requires less less uh, cognitive, cognitive effort. And that's why we are, you know, if you see most of these movies or messages in the internet that have um, some agendas behind them, you know, portrayed through emotion. If, you know, if you watch, for example, TED Talks, most yeah. of the talks on in the internet or beat in the internet or anywhere that are, you know, that are very interesting that, you know, people grab easily are talks, most of them, they have, all of them, they have one thing in common. There are stories in them. Yeah. And why are these stories? Because why do the you know the speaker use story? Because stories uh, are filled with emotion. So most of the messages we are receiving today are filled with emotion. Mm -hmm. And since we've, we are not uh, practically thinkers, we tend to you know deal with situations without even thinking of you know is it the right thing? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm trying to say. So it's like I used to give a, a, an example uh, about. I think I found the example, the, the story somewhere. I, don't, I can't remember. But I used to. I like giving this example. I'm walking in the streets, and I saw someone shouting, uh, "No, I don't like black. I hate black." No, I just passed through someone, a white yeah. man, and he said, 
I hate the blacks. I don't like them. You know, I'll be thinking like, you know, I'm black. You know, this is racist. You know, yeah. That, and he's talking the, about you. You'll be thinking, yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. Impression. You know, we act on impression. But what I don't know is that the man or the guy was speaking, let's say, with his mother, and the mother was in the in the store trying to get t-shirts for his son. Oh. <laughs> And he was selling this morning. This morning. This is like black t-shirt. Like black t-shirts. <laughs> and I thought he was yeah. talking about me. You yeah. know, the, the thing is, there are so many stories, so many yeah. things behind the obvious uh, uh, ideas that are presented to us. Yeah. Why, you know, what we were talking about how you do deal with, you know, judgment or the other time. Mm. When I receive something, I was like, I become neutral to it. Because I don't know what, you know, I don't know the story behind it, you know. Yeah. You come to me, and, you know, you come to my house and you rob me. Mm. I declare you, you did something that is very, very wrong. Mm. I, I have the right to sue you. But I don't know your story. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know what your story If I could be patient, if it is possible, of course, you know, other situations, it is not possible. Yeah. If, if it is possible, if I can be patient and try to understand your story, I may actually not only be able to um, to save you from prison, but be able to build a better life for you. Yeah. Because mo the thing is, most of uh, the people in the world today that are evil, let's say evil, they have a story behind them. Mm. That doesn't that doesn't uh, excuse the acts that they are doing. That is true. But there are so many people, they just need uh, some motivations. They just need a push yeah. out, out of the, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, let's say, the unfortunate world they find themselves. And the unfortunate thing is that today we don't go deep into ideas, into situations. We don't try to, you know, look yeah, out of people. We don't, you know, I, I, you know, one thing I used to say, it's impossible, but try to look, you know, um, try to understand people's thinking, which mm -hmm. obviously it is impossible to, to see what people are thinking, but try to understand them, try to, you know. Yeah, I think, I think the issue is, is that, especially, especially when it comes to like clashing and, and, and taking your time to figure out people's um, situation circumstances that nowadays everyone goes into situations either trying to win or dominate instead of looking for peace and resolution. Uh, that's, that's the problem. And with, with the first part, it's like we go, if you're looking to win and dominate, you're going with emotion because you're either angry or extremely passionate about something. And in that state, it's very difficult for you to think um, rationally. Because emotions can drag you to where you don't want to possibly go, and it might take you too far, or it might it might be your shortcoming to being unable to solve a situation. But it's like, how do we, how do we, how do you calm a mass like a group of people, in order in order for them to think rationally? Because that's that's very difficult. You see what I mean? Because on an individual level, you, you can if you're that way inclined. But if you're not and you're in a massive group, then it becomes a bit more difficult. The thing is, I've never found myself in this situation. Mm. one thing but what i would say is it it also depends on you know the people you find if if they're, if they're aggressive people obviously it's going to be difficult mm. but if 
um, you find yourself, for example, you find yourself in an environment where there are, you know, there are youths, you know, we may, we may be talking about to the youth, uh, fighting, for example, you know, arguing or, you know, shouting themselves. The thing is, there's one formula. You can never, um, you know, put out darkness with darkness. Yeah. That's it. So if you go there, go there and there's one thing I used to say is when you're walking the streets and you see a, a dog bark, barking, mm-hmm. what do you do? Do you leave the dog or maybe try to calm the dog or you start barking to the dog? <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. So it's yeah. either you leave the dog, you go, you ignore the dog, or you try to calm the dog. So it's, it's the same situation. When you find yourself in this kind of environment and you know that it is impossible to calm down, maybe you try, but it is impossible, then you ignore. But what you can do is, is Try to talk. That's just it. Mm. That's it. You, you know, words are very important. Yeah. Depends. Also depends on who is speaking. You know. You should know the words that you are going to, you know, bring out to to solve the situation, and it also depends on individual. You know, it, it's actually depends on the group of people and the individual. Everything is con- contextualized actually. You know, if I understand you, if I know who you are, I will know how to deal with you. Yeah. Deal with you personally, the way I'm going to deal. Let's say, for example, I won't deal with you the way I'm going to deal with, uh, let's say, your sister. Mm. Because it's not the same psychology. She's she's a woman, Mm. you know. So the same thing, when you find this group of people, one thing is, which is obviously uh, kind of impossible, at the, almost impossible at the moment. It's try to understand who you're dealing with. with. Yeah. Then, and you know how you're going to, you know, the words check that you're going to, to put out. Right? One thing is, you have to be calm because in that kind of situation, you know, it is easy to lose your calm. Yeah. So you're trying to to solve a problem, and you are portraying the same acts which you're trying to, you know. You're trying to solve it's going to be difficult for those people you know you have to shoot you know a perfect example the thing is you have to be calm yeah. have to talk calmly just discuss with them mm. there's this video that you know that became viral about a few years ago about there's this um two uh, black people in the street that were they were trying to fight over again actually mm. <laughs> and there's, yeah. there's this guy. His name, uh, his name is Ali. I don't know if you know the, the the video. I think I know. Is it the two young boys that are about to fight? Yeah. And then this this guy Ali came. Yeah. In, you know the video. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, you see how he, you know, diffused it. Yeah. You know, it, it was through calmness and discussion. Mm-hmm. Everything is is through words, mm-hmm. not argument, not shouting, and you know, you can pass message. Uh, with aggression, mm. not really aggression, but with emotion, with firmness, trying to you know show that you're you're firm, like you know an aggressive behavior. It is possible. That and, controlled, yeah. And and the message we stick. But in this kind of situation, I think the best method is not the you know the firm and the aggressive way, but in a calm way to show the people that. Um, you know, you have to be calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 
it is useless to be to be because one 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 thing is why are they are they fighting? Mm. That's the question. Because you have to defeat the uh, the uh, the situation, you know, defeat the the evil, yeah. the roots. You have to deal with the the, the, the situation from the root. If you understand why they're fighting, mm. then you have to show them that what they are fighting for is it's useless, you know, it's useless to fight on, you know, that kind of yeah, those grounds, yeah. Those grounds. If you can show them that way from from the root, then they can come to their sense and, you know, understand that actually I'm I'm being um Yeah. And it's not making sense. But uh, I mean talk talk about calmness and everything else. What what do you make of what's happening so far, like 2020? If someone in five years' time, if someone says what happened in 2020. How, how do you make sense of everything that's going on in terms of like, I mean, first of all, we've been in a, a, a very stressful situation in regards to like the pandemic. The whole world has been locked down. So many people have lost their businesses. People have been put out of their houses. We're, we're in like a financial um, potential re global recession and global depression. Now we've been hit with um, all of these um, protests and riots in relations to um, police brutality in the States, which is now unearthed all of these other various stories across the world of, of um, systemic and systematic institutional racism as such. And there's so much happening. There's so much going on. And now we've got tension between India and China. I think aliens are going to probably attack us next week as well, just to top it all off. Um, if someone was to ask me, if someone was to ask you, how do you make sense of 2020? What, what would you say? You know, let me answer the question just um, as as it comes to me, as the answer, you know, briefly, inst instinctively. When you ask me, when you ask the question, the first thing I, I thought about is this year, 2020, is the best year ever. Mm. <laughs> as for the past yeah. days. Now, yeah. people, people say it's, it's the worst year, but I would say it's the, for now, it's the, it's the best year. Do you know why? The reason is, this is the year that we human beings, mm. that we are supposed to be the giant of the planet. Mm. Cognitive creation mm. are now becoming, beginning to wake up, to understand what is going on around us, to understand probably our mistakes. The thing is, everything that we, that we are seeing is not new. Mm. It's just that it comes to our door. Unfortunately, we human beings, when something doesn't touch us, we tend to turn a blind eye to it. Mm. Now, we're talking about illness, this coronavirus and everything. That it is global. It is something that is very unfortunate, but it's not the first outbreak. Yeah, it's definitely not. Few, about six years ago, the Ebola outbreak came. It's just that it was limited to Africa. Yeah. You understand? And and also every year, every every single day, people are dying for, you know, even the the the, the, the rate of death that we experience from other sickness, from merely car accident, is yeah. over it's over coronavirus. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the thing is, it is unfortunate. It is something that is we've just let's say never heard of. For, since the past century. So we have to recognize that. But at the same time, 
at the same time, we have to realize that this is not the end of this is not the end of the world. Yeah. And another and another thing is it's actually open because when we are saying things from the negative sides, which unfortunately is how the world works now, we are kind of uh, negatively biased creature. Yeah. That is why uh, the media and everything that's you know bombarded with negative news. Everything. We also have to see the, the positive, the positive aspect of it. Of this, people are coming together. Family are visiting themselves, and now you know there's this. So we are becoming social. Mm. Before we are, we you know we're supposed to be social beings, but because of Unfortunately, because of the social media, we're becoming unsocial. Unsocial, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, now the thing is, this coronavirus kind of brings people, you know, it brings us together. And actually, it's making us to understand, one, the importance of life and also the importance of the, of, of the planet. Because the rate of pollution went down. Yeah, plummeted, yeah. Drastically down. Yeah. So, also, we are, we are people are waking up to, you know, understand the importance of taking care of the planet, the ecosystem, the animals. So that is something to me, in the long run, is very beneficial. So I think I think that there is going to be some kind of a change in attitude in the long run. Even though, even though, I'm sorry. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, even though, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. I hope it doesn't. But people will come back to to forget. Yeah, we're creatures of amnesia. That's that's that tends to be our historical. And and it's the thing is, I saw something which um I've I've not made a I've not made a, a deep research on it, but I think it's true about this. Uh, outbreak coming every um, every hundred years, every every centuries. Mm. We have an outbreak, uh, an outbreak in 1918 or so. It's a Spanish flu. We had a really yeah, and, and then in 1820 or so, and then in 1720, something like that. So it's like when you say we are amnesia, it's like every century we forget, and then there's something they reminded again. That reminds us as <laughs> yeah. so. So, for um um. Uh, how should I put it? Um, hopefully, that's mm. it. Hopefully, we don't forget. But yeah. I'm going to forget. So the thing is, concerning uh, the you know the wars and you know the the racism that's going on, it's the same thing. Everything, all all these things have been going on for decades, for for centuries. Yeah. You know, we talk today about slavery being banned. <laughs> I believe that we're still in a world of slavery. There's still slavery going on. It may not be a physical slavery yeah. where, where you know, the, the, the master is going to whip the uh, mm. individual. But there's, I, I even think it's the worst of slave, slave, slavery, which is the cognitive slavery. There is uh, uh, this um, quote I had from, I don't know, maybe it's from a movie or something like that. I think it's one of the ancient... Uh, uh, the past, probably religious person yeah. said that the slave of the mind is more dangerous mm. than a slave of war. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm a firm believer in that because I think when, when you're a slave of the mind, it's easy for you to be controlled on a, on a deeper level. Because slave of the body, is if, if I'm working in someone's field, I understand what I'm doing. I understand who's directly controlling me. I understand how they're controlling me. But when it's of their mind, it's, it's almost as if like they press one button, you're triggered. They press another button, you're sad. They press another button, you're depressed, you're stressed because so many things are happening that you don't know what angle they're coming from. You don't know who to trust. No. And and the thing is, um, last year, the, the, uh, since 2017 and 2018, this was actually this actually the year I become you know I started becoming more serious in the books I read. So I came across some things, obviously, which came, which actually um, um, went in harmony mm. with some of my thoughts before. It's like validating some of the things I I thought. The thing is. Before I started reading deep into psychology and everything, my thoughts are based on observation. Mm. What I observe people doing, and it may actually be about you know, based on what I live, you know, uh, my own life experience. But most of it is based on observation. And when I started reading, you know, going deep into these studies, and I realized that most of these studies actually confirm what I've, you know, thought about. There's something I came across which which is very, very interesting. The thing is, um, the Cold War, mm. we believe that nobody won the Cold War, right? Yeah. Between the URRS and the UK, yes, and the, so, yeah. um, in the US, nobody won the Cold War. It was basically an economic war, and then it ended. But I believe that that notion, that idea that nobody won is a lie. Because the goal of the Cold War is to take, um, to have on their side the most, you know, uh, the many nations as possible. Yeah. That's going to resemble their way of living, the economy and everything. You know, yeah. that's what, the, the, uh, the, uh, what uh, Russia was fighting for. And that, that was what US was, was fighting for. Mm -hmm. But yes, today, most of the world today, most of the nations in the world today, their way of living resembles more. Yeah, the states. Yeah. Trying to say it, than U.S. than the. Never than actually thought about that way. Yeah. So actually, U.S. won the war, and how did they win it? This is where it becomes interesting. Mm -hmm. I came across some um, some information which uh, it, it doesn't come to me. Uh, you know, just. It's, it's not from one source. It's actually a known fact today. You, you actually actually even know it. Um, the thing is, during the Cold War, there is um, uh, uh, there are American soldiers that, that, that were captured by the, the, the communists, and then they would come to the, the television and start saying nonsense about about you know, yeah. about the about America about their country. Actually, then a few days later, they are going to be released and they will come back to their senses and. So one thing is, uh, the FBI, they realized that these people were, uh, have been brainwashed, actually. Yeah. So now when the FBI started investigating, now they become more interested in brainwashing. Mm. Oh, they're going to brainwash people because that is a very great idea, you know, yeah. to control people. That is something that is the, the peak of human discovery, to be able to control other, uh, other people. So the thing is, they went through 
so many atrocious um, um, experiments on you know in colleges, in hospitals, and so many fires that today have been destroyed to cover it up. But some of them actually actually remain. So they came to surface, and that's how the knowledge is known. So so many drugs and you know chemicals were tested, but to no vein, found to to, to no avail actually. So the thing is. Then they came to realize, I can't remember how they came to realize, that the only way, actually, the, the, the ultimate way to make someone believe what you want them to believe is to constantly repeat it. Yeah. It's confirmation bias, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That, that thing becomes, you know, a great, let's just say, great discovery. Mm. So what happened when we watch the TV? Mm. So many information that are bombarded. Yeah. So, one way or the other, the Cold War continued, and the America won. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So the thing is, we today, so many people are not aware of this, you know, of, of this fact. If you're not, you know, open to, to, to all this, you know, to psychology, basically, to reading and to making research, you won't come across. All these, all these things, and the thing is, it's not, it's not to say that you know America did this or did that. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that today we've become slave. Yeah. We thought we are thinking ourselves, but actually, we have there are thoughts that have been put in, that have been put in our heads. Yeah. So the thing is to be free, have the freedom. You know, we talk about freedom today liberty and everything mm. in order to be free of action you have to have a freedom of thoughts yeah. if you think yourself then how can you be sure that what you are doing is actually comes to you it's like someone is up there you know <laughs> without you actually knowing knowing so yeah everything comes back to the, the slavery we were talking about so we're all slaves <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so who knows? Actually, maybe what I'm, everything I'm saying now, is being, you know, has been influenced by something. Most definitely. That, yeah. That's one thing that you, like, I came to realize in psychology. You know, our mind is a very powerful thing. There are some things, some things that we do that we don't even, uh, you know, realize it. Mm. We do, they're, they're just instinctive. You know, there's, there's, there's an experiment that, that, that is done. I read this book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, yeah. Powerful book. I haven't read it, but no. Yeah. So there's an experiment that was actually made about uh, um, um, two groups of people. So the thing is, they gave them a uh, head, uh, headphone mm. and they asked them to, they told them it's just to check the, you know, the, the quality of the audio. And the, then the thing is, they turn, turn on a, a radio station or something like that, and they started listening listening to it. So, and then when they, they, they told them to wait, let me try to remember. Yeah, they told them to to shake their heads. Mm. Uh, yeah, they gave them they gave them the the the, the earphone, and then they told them to shake their you know, to nod their head. Mm. A group nod their head and the other group to shake their head. So the thing is, after the experiment, they asked them, uh, the group that, you know, they nodded their head, 
what do they think about what was said in the in the, in the radio? Mm. Those that nod their head agreed, tend to agree mm. most of them. Yeah. Those that shook their head tend yeah. to agree. <laughs> yeah. So they be swayed yeah, by the method. Because just the, the simple gesture that you made about nodding and show is influenced you. Has influenced your uh, yeah. your decision on something yeah. can actually make a very big difference in your yeah. life actually yeah. so so many little little things that you know that we do yeah. on daily basis that we are not even aware of and then one of the things that i've realized in terms of like us being controlled now is also so the, one of the most powerful tools now is, is is social media for control because with social media comes an algorithm and so for instance let's say um let's say someone let's say for instance i'm a i'm a um pro-gun person. I live in America and I support um, um, ownership of guns. If I go on Facebook right now and read one or two articles, search one or two articles on gun ownership, what's going to happen is the algorithm is now going to put me into, into that dark hole where they, all they're going to do is push advertisement regarding my pro-choiceness. So now I'm going to be stuck in this constant loop of confirmation bias. All the articles they're going to show me is why owning guns is a great thing and why I should own a gun. So I'm constantly perpetu these ideas are constantly being perpetuated onto me. So how am I even going to have a balanced argument with someone when I exit the world and someone else is like, oh, but this is what I think about gun ownership. I don't think it's right because you're, you're going to be controlled by those ideas that's been pushed on you by the algorithm. So sometimes when things happen in the world, I always take a step back and... I try and see things from both sides, especially now that we're kind of living in a more polarized world. I try and always consume content from either side. So if people are arguing, like let's say um, liberals are arguing versus conservatives, I'll check, I'll, I'll check both sides of the argument because what tends to happen is if you focus on one side, you're going to be controlled by their agenda and their ideology, regardless of what side you're on. And to me, whoever has that power in terms of the media, um, so, social media, in terms of content creation, they will potentially push your narrative and they'll potentially push their ideologies on you which is ultimate control so at the end of the day if you're always stuck in a echo chamber of ideologies and you're caught up in this in this confined space of like um, confirmation bias how are you truly free you're not free you're just soaking up what's being dashed it was being thrown to you and it's something i used to do actually uh, about because the thing is i like discussing or reading things ideas that actually contradict my own ideas. Mm -hmm. So is, when I want to make research, most of the time, or some of the time, probably 50-50, is that when I make research, now, my belief, for example, is that um, talking about maybe religion mm. exists, you know, and I want to make research about some proof on that. Then I, when I go to, to the, you know, to search engine, why doesn't, why does, you know, the proof that God doesn't exist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I actually search uh, through, you know. To confirm the, your own idea, yeah. I actually use, uh, most of them, I do that most of the time. I, you know, look into the other argument mm. to confirm my own argument. Mm. So, so when, for example, I'm, I'm faced with someone who, is trying to discuss with me on, you know, on this idea. Mm. I know what I know where the person is coming from. Mm. I know to reply that person, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. Most of the so the thing is my I think my the thing my own search engine apart from other other um, other contexts, be it in psychology, philosophy, or religion, or all this thing, my search engine is actually 
everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. I receive videos that are, you know, that are to prove to me that, uh, you know, maybe liberalism is, is wrong, is pushed. Mm. And mm. I videos that tell me that, you know, liberalism is actually, you know, okay. So everything is mm. actually, there is no bias. Let me put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the ways to to actually beat that is to make such research based on you know based on something you don't believe in. Mm. Counter to you know, just like to deceive the algorithm. Yeah, definitely. I didn't actually do it for that. I was just my own way of you know making yeah. it, and then just as to say it's actually benefiting me. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I'm pretty much the same as well in terms of like how I research and how I look at stuff because um, what what and what I'm tend to what I'm tending to realize is that whenever you compare stuff from polar opposites, you realize that there is something in the middle. There's a, there's a collaborative energy in the middle which we should be focusing on, which we, which we should be working towards more. But instead, because we're so stuck in our ideas, it, it it divides us. And and it's strange because when you look at the world holistically, you have to understand that it's very difficult that your idea it's the ultimate truth, especially when we're talking about ideologies, because there is ultimate truths. Like ultimate truth is, I am here, I am me, and I am a man, and 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 that's whatever your ultimate truth is. It that is, is that. That it's actually debatable. I am a man. Well, now now it is in in the <laughs> common state that we're in is debatable. But I classify myself as a biological man, and I classify myself <laughs> I, as a man. I, I do too. Yeah. But I know now we can identify. Well, people choose to identify as well, which is a whole another debate in itself as well. So th that comes down to again, what is like ultimate truth as compared to what is um, optional um, ideologies that you can live by. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a tricky field within itself. Yeah, it's, it's such a tricky. But what's been what's been your take on? Sorry. Everything everything is becoming nuanced. Everything is becoming nuanced, and I mean the the the, the problem is that I I'm I'm of the I'm of the belief that okay people can people can choose their lifestyle. That's absolutely fine. You can choose your lifestyle. I'm I'm not I'm not your god, and and I'm not coming to judge you for your lifestyle. And I love you and treat you as a as a fellow human being. But at the end of the day, if we don't have that, if we don't have that freedom to discuss that, I think it becomes an issue. Yeah. If we if we don't have that freedom to be brave and able to um, um, question ideas and to question thought, then it becomes an issue. And that's where that's where I stand in regards to like the whole battle for freedom of speech. I understand some people want to use freedom of speech as a as a clever way to hide their bigotry. Some mm. people they are human beings like that, but I think majority of people genuinely like the idea of freedom of speech because they want to be able to debate ideas. They want to be able to figure things out collaboratively. And if we take that away, then it's like you have to accept everyone's ideas. That's, that's, that's not freedom. That in itself, people need to think, figure out that being, being compelled to take people's ideas as your ultimate truth is not freedom. Because wh where is it going to lead us as, as a human race? Where is it going to lead us as a people when we're unable to critically discuss and disagree and, and uh, agree to disagree on ideologies. But the thing is, I'm talking about freedom of freedom of uh, of speech. Uh, I'm 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 absolutely um, you know proof freedom of speech. But the thing is, some people use this to to insult. You know, there's freedom oh, yeah. of speech. Mm. You have to understand what freedom of speech is. Mm. Freedom of speech is not insult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people just use it to, you know, to to talk and say nonsense, and then you mm. say, "No, I'm free to say what I like." No, you know, yeah, to say what I like, but what you like. But 
the thing is, it is not because you can do something that you have to do it. Mm. Use your brain also. Mm. Some things may be legal, you know, by the law. Mm. But maybe irrational. Yeah. At the same time, you know. And it's, it's just like, I don't know. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it, you know. Maybe, yeah. but maybe the law doesn't specify that you don't insult, but you can say what you like. Mm. But as a human being, I think it is just reasonable that you don't just insult some someone else, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I think but insult and in insight and hate is 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 that, that that's yeah, it's different. Mm. It's freedom of speech and there's hate speech. So mm. that hate speech that is something else. Freedom of speech is to bring people, you know, to bring people together, yeah. right? I think that's one of the, the, the goal. But hate speech doesn't bring people together. Yeah. On the contrary, it's, you know, it separates them and it causes, you know, so many problems. Yeah, most definitely. Um, what, what, what's been your take on the whole, um, the, the, I know we were discussing it earlier on a bit, or I brought it up briefly in terms of like um, the, the movement, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all the pr protests and, um, and riots that's been happening globally. Well, was there any issues in France in relation to that? Was there any protests and riots in France? Uh, there are protests actually in France, in Paris, yeah. actually, there are pro uh, protests. The thing is, frankly, I don't, you know, follow these, you know, these stories, you know, deeply. Mm. Mm. But there has to be protest. Mm. Because this, this, this thing has been going on for, you know, people are tired of it. Let's mm. just, let's just be that. People are, you know, tired of it. So there has to be a movement, something, you know, there has, people have to talk, you know, have to express their, their feelings. But, but the thing is, you don't okay let me let me see let me put it this way you came to me and you let's just say you chopped my hand mm. you know and in the process you know i think the hand the hand is a as a it's extreme yeah. <laughs> extreme and it's actually a bad example mm. you came to me and you stole my car, mm. you know. And in the process of wanting back my car, I came to you and I cut your cut off your head. Mm. How am I going to get by my car? Get back, back back my car when I've killed you? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So the thing is, in the process of wanting to be heard, we shouldn't be extreme. Because I'm seeing, you know, you know the images of. Of riots and the streets being, you know, shops being, you know, should I say, being dis dismantled and everything. Yeah. I think in Chinatown, um, in in the US, I think, or something like that. It, there's so many, there's so many shops that are closed or something like that, and there's so many riots or something like that, that that's, yeah. that's that's going on. One thing is, these people that you that you are, you know. Should I say robbing and destroying the properties? They're innocent. Most, yeah. I think most of them are innocent. So yeah. it's I think we shouldn't. It's Nietzsche, uh, this uh, German philosopher said. Yeah, I know Nietzsche. Yeah. He said uh, in his uh, book Beyond Good and Evil. 
He said, um, if thou gaze into an abyss, the abyss will also gaze into, into the... So what he was basically saying is, in the process of wanting to, you know, get rid of evil, you shouldn't become evil yourself. Yeah. yeah. Definitely people ask to express themselves, themselves. They have to be, you know, riots, and there are peace riots out there, you know. That is, that is, I think that should... And it's our human right to riot. Most governments all subscribe to the idea of people riot, uh, sorry, of people um, protesting. But, but I think there's just some group of people, probably minorities, mm -hmm. that took, you know, that took these things to, you know, to the extreme and started doing nonsense with it. Mm. And the thing is, the thing I can see here is just that, it's just, it brings out the, uh, the human nature of them. It's like people that, that actually in their hearts have some, you know, some contempt, or they already have some contempt in them, probably due to what is going on. Yeah. Then these riots and these, not these, um, con these um, protests, give them gives them the you know opportunity to express themselves yeah. and then they're being used as well by the mob so they, they their aggression is being everything just go into them and and unfortunately in the situations we find ourselves with the with the coronavirus and everything so i think everything everything actually plays in the you know the the people's psychology to how they react react to this thing because Mm. Already have been, yeah, that you know, they are you know frustrated to not go to work and you know to just stay at home and everything, and then this comes, you know, this happened. So yeah. I think it's, you know, it contributes to to people's frustration. Yeah. And one thing is, one thing is, one thing I would say is, which is, I don't know, I don't know if it makes sense is. It's just like there's someone that wants everything to, you know, to happen this way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it seems quite calculated. Calculated, you know. That, that's that's. And when I say someone, I don't mean I don't actually mean like human being, you know. Mm. But it's just like someone wanted humanity to to learn something, mm. because first of all. We had. We, it was actually from. It started from the uh, the Muslim concentration camp in China, mm. and then uh, the uh, the coronavirus break. Uh, you know, break up in, in China. And when you look at the coronavirus in China, you know, this this example I give I give to about two. I've already given to about two people. Is that when you want to attack uh, an empire, for example? Someone wants to attack France, for example, dismantle France economy. Where do they go? They go to Paris. Yeah. If you've taken Paris, you've taken France. Taken France. It's like it's as if, obviously, I'm not. I, I don't mean this literally, but it's just, it's just like like an alien force mm. wants to attack the planet mm. because if the coronavirus landed in Africa. Mm. It will be controlled. Yeah. One of the reasons why it will be controlled is that the, the 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 circulation is not very much in Africa. Guess where it's landed? It's landed in China. Yeah. The world economy. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to it's going to change. You know, all imports and exports. I mean, especially exports are flying out of there. To shape so. the world. So mm. 
that happened and the world is already shaking. And then people started, you know, let's say, coming to their senses about some other things. Then the U.S., you know, the, 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 the um, George Floyd happened oh, yeah. in, the, in the U.K. And then, you know, everything is just, it's just as if, the thing is, if people, if the coronavirus didn't happen, the, case, the George Floyd case, I don't believe it's going to come this way. It's going to go yeah. on. I think that the frustration and the build-up and, and, the, and the, the loss that people are going through definitely fueled the, the reaction a bit. And also, people will be going to work. Mm. You know, many people won't even think of, you know, reacting to it because they're thinking of their work. And so many people, even if they want to react to it, they're thinking of their work. So mm. the thing is, everything just happened as if it is calculated, mm. you know, it just makes me thinking as if God is sending a message yeah. to understand something, yeah. which I don't know physically, but yeah. it's just as if it is calculated when you, when you started studying the way everything you know starts happening. So going back to the, the, the protest, people have to protest, people have to express their emotion, which is Unfortunate, what is going on? Come, it's it's just like you know what I said earlier about about, about slavery. We thought racism have ended, uh, you know, have ended. It's it hasn't ended. It is happening, you know, all over the world. Be it racism against black, be it anti-Semitism, be it Islamophobia, it's happening, you know, all over the world. It's just that, you know, some parts of the world are more than the other, and some yeah. parts are more obvious than the other. Some parts of the world, it's more Islamophobia, and the other part is more racism. So everything is happening, and it has to stop. And the thing is, I don't, I personally don't believe it's going to stop for eternity. Oh, no, no, I don't think. No, it's, it, uh, tribalism is innately built in us, and to me, I see racism as a manifestation of that. So it's like, how do you stop human tribalism? Even if we all change into the same color, we're gonna fight based on hair. We're gonna fight based on. A height. We're gonna find something to. That's that's why I used to, uh, you know, the argument I used to use against those that you know that that say that religion is, uh, you know, it's like a virus to the to the human race because it causes um, all this brings all these religious wars and everything. But the thing is, if there's no religion, oh, there will be blood on our streets. People is going to be fighting themselves. Yeah. If, because the, this, some of the philosophical idea is that man created religion. Because this is actually one of the the, the, the opening question I put, I mm. ask in my, in my in my book is that they say man created religion in order to defeat God. So in order to no man created God, you know, in order to to defeat the injustice that actually reigned in the society, you know, so that you know there are so many you know wars and injustice that's going on. Then some individuals just think about an invisible being and you know people people are going to fear to create moral which actually helped the human race that's some of some philosophical narrations but the thing is if man created god to defeat really to defeat the uh, the immorality that's going on in the society but the real the, uh, the immorality exists until today even when we still mm. have god and then today we blame the immorality on God, mm. we're uncreated God to defeat the immorality. Immorality. The question is, the question is, who is to blame? 
on this issue. Is it God that we believe doesn't exist or man himself? Because mm. even when God doesn't exist, man was, you know, was uh, irrational. Yeah. Now that God exists, it's still irrational. So the thing is, we have to face ourselves as a human, as a human race. We have to be able to look into ourselves and understand ourselves. And that's one of the problems we are facing. Um, between you and I, for example, maybe you did something wrong that, you know, something very bad. If I myself, I understand myself as a human being, as someone that can make mistakes, and I understand that I'm not perfect, the way I'm going to react to you will be different if I never thought of that. Because now what I'll be what I'll be thinking is I'll be pointing my hand to you, you know, you, you, you. But if I know that as a human being, I'm not perfect, and then you are also a human being, even when you do something that is wrong, the way I'm going to deal with it will be more rational, more reasonable, even if it, even though if it's going to uh, require some punishment, it will be, you know, it will be less uh less barbaric than yeah no definitely I'm, I'm i mean i'm a i'm a i'm a christian myself so i'm a, I'm a believer in in god and christ and so forth and my my thing is that god gave us um um the, our, our faith and our, our religion and our, and our relationship with him as a guide as to how we're supposed to um, experience this world because the world is chaotic and sometimes we, we when when you talk when you talk to atheists, what I tend to find is that they always say, okay, if if God is so all powerful and almighty, why does He allow so much chaos and so much um, bloodshed to take place? And I always revert back to them and say, if you take away the morality, the the thing of a higher being watching you from all those people that believe in uh, morality from God or from a higher being, whatever religion that may be. And they take on um, morality on themselves as a self-proclaimed moral compass. The 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 chaos that is going to ensue is is way beyond what you think we're currently facing right now. Because if if I have full autonomy, if I have if I have full um, control of my morality, and there's nothing, there's no bigger higher being that I'm looking out for, then really and truly, I can I should be allowed to take the law into my own hands, and no one else should be allowed to judge me. <laughs> not not the higher being and nor should other man be able to judge me and to me i see religion as is is helping to suppress what's innately already in us and what's been proven is in us because it's being demonstrated all, all around us if you look across the world there's people still committing sin there's people still murdering and killing and all of these and loads of these people are associated to religions but many of them are also not associated to religion so if you take away those who are who religion is protecting from unleashing the darkness within, then we'll have utter chaos. <laughs> that's that's actually where nihilism come, comes yeah. to yeah. into place. And one of the things actually which um, inspired Nietzsche, ah, sorry, inspired um, Hitler mm. to become what he became, the Nazis. That's one of the reasons. That's it's actually nihilism. You know, one of the the thing is. When we start to believe that there's no divine, mm. you know, it's, uh, there's no creation, that we, me personally, I'm not different from this world. Mm. It's just a rearrangement of molecules. 
And so I have no special value compared to just a stone on the ground. So there's some nothing stopping me from raping that gear just to, mm. to you know to feel my passion from killing that you know the man just to rob his money. There's nothing stopping me actually. So that's the thing is society falls apart. This idea, this idea that uh, we don't need religion or we don't need God to construct our society, a moral society. As of now, to me, it's nonsense because yeah. it's actually uh, what most of the, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the famous atheists today, like uh, Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens, this actually what, you know, uh, they're preaching, basically. But the thing is, the thing is, it doesn't, it doesn't, all this does not prove an absence of a deity. Mm -hmm. Just because uh, there's a problem in the world, logically, it's, because it's actually a logical fallacy to say because there, there's, a, there's a problem in the world, there's no God. Yeah, it's like me saying, uh, okay, just because the world war took place, then Hitler doesn't exist. Mm. It doesn't make sense. So, so the thing is coming back to the the more you know the, the moral as aspect of it. Humanity needs guidance. Yeah, and I think the only way, uh, the only person that knew the humans to be able to guide them is basically the one who created them. Created it's, them just, yeah. just, it's just like uh, saying this watch, the only person that really, really knows how this yeah. watch, watch works is one that, that made it, that created yeah. it. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's, it's such an interesting um, um, topic of discussion when it comes to like morality and um like um having the autonomy to do whatever we can because now when you, so when you watch antifa, antifa for instance in america they're supposed to be anti-fascist yeah that's, that's what antifa stands for but something intriguing recently happened in america um is i think it's in seattle so they created an autonomous city so they these group of uh, um i don't know if they're all just antifa but these group of protesters they stole about six blocks i don't know if you've been following the story but it's super interesting and um so they barricaded themselves within the city around one of the police precincts and labeled it an autonomous um self-governing city or whatever it is and it was called Chaz initially it was a Chaz or Chez, and now they've changed the name to chop um so in this community, they were they were to not be um, policed by the state. They were to build their own like autonomous communities where they grow their own food. So they they're thinking about creating their own um, utopia. But some of the reports that's coming out of it now is that there's actually a warlord in there who, who's now ruling the place with guns and he's got guards. And apparently one of the one of the warlords or one of the leaders is a rapper who used to hand out his um his mixtapes in the city. So already they're already creating a hierarchy in there already where they they becoming fascist themselves when we, when they were initially labeled themselves as anti-fascist. I don't think that people tend to understand that human beings, wherever we are, we create hierarchies. And when those hierarchies become dominant, there will be those that are beneath that are at the bottom of that dominance hierarchy. 
and there's an issue. So when we look at the system sometimes, we need to look at it from a holistic point of view. And if there's issues within the system, attack those issues very specifically, very directly, and with clear and concise ideas. And that's, my, that's one of the reasons maybe why when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of movements in general, I'm always a bit skeptical because I don't feel like there is clarity. Do you see what I mean? And, and we're just under the assumption that we need to tear down something in order to build something else. But we don't know what that something else is. We don't know what, how that something else looks like. That's it. That's it. Because yeah. the thing is, when you tear down a government, what, what it's going to produce will be worse. Yeah. I, th I think history have repeated that, mm -hmm. especially this modern, in these modern days. The same thing that, is, that, that happened in, in, in Iraq, the same thing that happened in, in Libya, yeah. And unfortunately, the same thing that is happening in, in Syria. We wanted to, you know, tear down the the, uh, the, the government because we believe it's, you know, it's uh, an unjust government. But the country was better then than it is today. Unfortunately, mm. <laughs> yeah. exactly what what you mentioned. Mm. Attack the problem, but yeah. with uh, with carefulness. Mm. Uh, we, we don't, we don't, we don't just tear down a, a government because when you tear down a government, it's like, yeah, a, or when you like a city or, without the police. Uh, is there's this saying in my, in my, um, my country, Yoruba, mm -hmm. that said, uh, a, a state which has no law has no sin. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if a state has no sin, it's all chaos. Each, <laughs> everything goes. Yeah. And That's, today was, so yesterday was actually the first time I, I went on to the um, Black Lives Matters website because I mean I, I'm I'm all for fighting for the liberation of my people. I'm all for fighting against injustice and tackling things directly, but I don't have the answers. So I'll never ever proclaim to have the answers. But I do know that there's an issue that needs to be tackled, and I'm trying to understand it from my perspective instead of just going with the mob. But um, when I when I when I was reading up yesterday, I, I realized that there's a lot of talk about defunding the police and um, dismantling the police and creating community and creating community led um, 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 in, in initiatives. I understand, the, I understand the, the concept of investing more within the community, but I think at the moment, if we was to go and dismantle all police um, 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 forces and units, in particularly America, there's going to be more black people dying. There's going to be more black blood on American soil than there's ever been. Because what we don't understand is that when you when you get rid of certain level of authority, th there's going to be an uprising of of those who 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 are being oppressed by the authority. And I'm and I'm talking from the criminal criminal level. I'm not talking about the oppression of black people. And now there might be criminals who are not acting in a particular sort of way because they know that within their areas there's undercover police. There's 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 police on call every two minutes. But now if you if you find out that the police have been dismantled and there's a bunch of community police walking around who are not really police, they don't have guns and they're not really threatening, it's free for all. So I think that that whole concept needs to be tackled better. I don't know if if they require um, I don't know more scrutiny in regards to their training. They require more. Um, training and and psychological um analysis and input in regards to like their communication and their engagement with the community i don't know but i think if anything maybe more needs to go into training developing and recruiting instead of dismantle destroy and rebuild because if i, I don't know if that's going to be effective enough and i don't know the damages that that can potentially lead to which actually, is a scary part 
actually I believe that if there is a, a dismantlement of the of the police system, it's going to be more chaos than now. There's something that you know why I you know I like the um, you know the name intrinsic awareness, which I actually you know tied to my book. Is what I actually meant by that is the ability to you know to look at things in a profound way, mm. aware intrinsically of things, which is actually what you you know what you just what you just did did you know not just looking at what the the police are doing, but looking deep into what is going to be the result if you know if the police you know not just the thing is we tend to see things at the surface, just mm. at the surface. But we don't look deep into the you know profound profoundness of of things of ideas. I'm I'm also if you know you know literally you know as the uh, the statement uh, the sentence says literally black life matters. Mm -hmm. I think uh, every reasonable person is going to be yeah we think that that's fine yeah <laughs> and it should be acceptable. I'm also I'm also for that. But when we say black life matters, we should also think about other races. Because the thing is about me is I don't like nationalism. Mm. And I don't like to be, uh, uh, you know, identified as, you know, obviously in a general sense, you know, I'm a Nigerian, I'm a black guy, you know. But when it comes to a serious matter, to be identified as, you know, an Nigerian, an African, a black, I believe in the human race. So the thing is, I was actually discussing recently about a few weeks ago with some um, two, uh, a girl from India, and she was, you know, being adamant, adamant on the facts and the idea that uh, India is, you know, the Indian police, they are, they are perfect, they, they, they are, they've never done anything wrong, and they've never, they, 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 the Indian soldiers have never wronged the, the, the Pakistan, and, you know, the, she was mm. so nationalist. And I asked her, what, you know, she said she's for her country, you know, and I asked her that, what if, what if the law of your country, what if your country is unjust, it's, you know, you know mm. it's, it's unjust, uh, on on someone or some people, and she was she, and you know angry and everything. So why I mentioned that is that this idea of being um, belonging to some race or some uh, nation uh, nation or something like that, I don't buy it. I buy you know human race. Mm. I'm a human. You're a human. Mm. So and I. That's one actually one of the things I, I told her is that um, if my country, as a Nigerian country, and your country came into clash, and I know that my country is on fear, I will never support my country against your country. Uh. Because I would, how can I support injustice? Mm. I would just. I just prefer to leave it as you know. <laughs> yeah. So okay. you stay neutral. You you wouldn't pick a side. I yeah. I, I may I even, I even the thing is it may even depend on the gravity, you know, of the of, of the situation. I may even pick a side. Mm. Because the thing is, it's like uh, you, for example. I remember when I was when I was a kid, I, I have a, a a cousin who always you know often be, you know bully me and you know mm. some of my friends and everything. 
And I remember some time, and he was bullying my friend. He was, he was my brother, my cousin, which I, you know, I liked so much. And he was bullying someone else that wasn't even, he may be my friend, and sometimes my friend, sometimes just someone I, you know, just someone else. And I remember, remember I was this kind of, you know, feeble, weak person when he touched me, I, you know, I started crying and everything. But when I seen justice taking place, I couldn't bear it. Yeah. So, I, so I would stand against my cousin mm. for that reason, and he would smash me, and I would start, I, you know, I would start crying. I would continue telling him, "You're wrong," and he would continue smashing me. And I would, I would, I would <laughs> basically, and I would continue smashing. So the thing is, be it a Nigerian, a black, or a Iranian, a Persian, a white, lives matter. Because now we're talking about blacks, uh, you know, black life in, in, in the UK. The same thing is happening all over the world. Yeah. In may, may, may not, it may not even be a racial something. Like in India, for example, even the Indians themselves. Oh, they got deep colorism issue there. They have exactly. They have mm. you know, the Indians, you know, they have caste actually, mm. caste, you know, the lowest of the caste and the highest of the caste. Why all this, you know? Yeah. We just, that's yeah. the... And, and historically, as we know, the lowest of the caste always tends to be the darkest of the skins, which obviously has its history in, in, in colonialism. But um, the, the, so going back to the whole picking side and if naf, being a nationalist, what I tend to find is that, so now that the, what, we live in a globalized um, um, world where I can travel from Ghana, now I live in London, I've lived in Sweden before, and I think one of the problems with with that is that whenever whenever you're um, you're an immigrant into another country, I think that there needs to be a point where you you find some sort of national relationship with the nation you're in because there needs there needs to be the common. And I think what what tends to happen now is that without the common, we're fragmented. So it's like it, 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 within within like so let's say for instance within I mean England right now. Um, within England, you've got people that will identify as Nigerian, blah, 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 whatever. But when an issue arises, what, 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 what brings us all together? And do we have a set of principles within England that enables us all to be proud to say, okay, for instance, I might be Nigerian, but in this sense, now I'm, I'm, I live in England, so I have a communality, I have a connection with that nation. But if you live somewhere and you're c completely disconnected from it, then it becomes it becomes a bit of an issue because then it's, it becomes easier to fragment and and um, polarize you. But I do understand. Ideally, the most ideal scenario would be a case of we respect and love and and have one human value. But it's very difficult when there's so many different elements of civilization. We've got religion, we've got our genders, we've got our race, we've got our castes, we've got absolutely so many vari variances of division, which is probably you can't even count it. If you was to all put all the world's um, variances into one box, we would be unable to count it, and that's the problem. So if we can't, if we can't organize a structure as a whole, because we're not going to, because we've been warring with each other, we've been having political issues, <laughs> we've been having border issues. How can we create a more holistic on a national level? On a national level, that is, if you find yourself in a, a yeah, the thing is one one of the thing, uh, generally, is to know to seek, let me just put it that way, mm. learn, learn the environment you are. 
you know, speak with as much as people. And talking about speaking, and that is the, 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 the most important, you have to learn the language. Yeah, integration, you, I think, is essential to breaking barriers. When you get to a place, it is a must for you to learn the language. The reason why I say that is language is actually the cradle of culture. When your language is dismantled, you know nothing about the culture. So if you want to know a culture, you want to know some people, you have to learn their language. And I've seen this so many times. I've seen at times, you know, people talking, like here in France, and I know that these people are, you know, they don't really know, understand French very well. And when they come here, when they were talk, they are talking to maybe their children and everything, and and then they try to compare or enforce uh, some way of speaking in French to their children, you understand that this is something that is, you know, this kind of word. Let me give you an example. In French, when, you know, in the English word, you say, uh, you, mm. everybody, be it an adult, a young, yeah. uh, 10 people, 100 people, use the word you. In French, you use the word vous mm. for many people and two for one people, for one person, sorry. But you can also use the word vous for someone you don't know, for, for formality. And two for informal. It's, it's, two and vous is a matter of formality and informal. But in my language, your language, you have the equivalent. You have a war for two, which is you, and you have any for you, which is equivalent, but it's not the same usage. Okay. In your language, you have you, and you have a war for someone which is your mate or your older than, mm. and you have any for someone who is older than you. Mm. So now in French, it's just a matter of formality. Because in French, you can use two for your mother. Mm. It's not a matter is you can't be talking to your mother in, you know, in, in, in a formal manner. Yeah. You can use two for your father. You can use two for anybody you know. But in Yoruba language, you want to talk to your mother, you want to talk to your, to, to your elder, you use any. Mm. So when the children hear who their parents doesn't really understand French, when they want to talk to maybe an elderly person, and they use vous, in the eyes of the parents, is a disrespect. Oh, okay. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. At times, I just look at people and, you know, the way they would deal with their children at times, just, well, they don't <laughs> understand. So that's why I say language is actually the cradle of culture. You have to understand the language, first mm. of all. And then, plus that, engage with as much as people as you can. Integrate and seek, as in, understand the people you are, you know, you're interacting with. You have to understand them. Because if you don't do that, then it's going to create some kind of margin between yeah. uh, those that are, let me just say, immigrants and those that are not immigrants. And when the margin is created, then you know, that is a physical margin, then it's going to, uh, you know, it's, it's coming to intellectual and psychological margin. That's, you know, there will be this idea of we 
and them. Yeah. And that's yeah. yeah. That's 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 a beautiful way to actually end it for today. That I just wanted to leave on that point because what I was gonna say was language as well. I definitely think language is a it's a unifier because being able to communicate is the first point of um of of a truce. It's, it's definitely the first point of building some sort of relationship. Like what we're doing right now, we're communicating with each other. We get an understanding of how each other thinks. We're creating some sort of a, a, a relationship, a bond, which could lead to um, um, other forms of connections business wherever it may be so it's, it's definitely the key to it but yeah it's been an absolutely pleasure and i would definitely like to catch up with you another time we continue there were so many things that was that was coming into my head but i think it's best to save it and we'll continue because i just i just love the way you think i love your mindset and um yeah i'm definitely going to check out your book as well it's been absolutely amazing i, I really love yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect first because I liked your work. Sometimes you can like someone's work, but then when you're when you're getting in contact with them and you're connecting with them, it could be a different type of relationship and a different mindset of of, of thinking and thought. But definitely, you're, you're everything I expected you to be and more. So we're definitely going to catch up again. And I appreciate you coming on on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. What what you got planned for the rest of your day? Uh, let me just say I'm going to rest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find something to eat and then I'm free and... Yeah.